Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. It's good to be in fellowship, uh, especially with the events that are transpiring around the world. Um, how many have sensed a uh, a spiritual battle that's kind of amped up a little bit? Anybody feeling that? I've, I've just sensed that, and 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 uh, I'm hoping um, that you understand that the will of God is for everything to be un- everything of the enemy to be under our feet. It's who we are, and but. There are times it doesn't feel like it's under our feet, does it? And now, and I want to talk about that. But before I do, I just I want to encourage you. I want to tell you an event that happened in the scripture, and um, uh, when Jesus, as he begins his earthly ministry, the scripture says this, and I didn't give it to anybody, so you're just gonna have to trust me that I'm reading it right. It's in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, say that with me, as his custom was. I tell you what, we can be so against tradition and custom. But uh, hang on, and I'll tell you what happened as his custom was being carried out. You know, it is a tradition that we come together on Saturday. There's churches all over America coming together at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. All kinds of denominations. I believe in, in Israel there are all kinds of synagogues where the custom was they got together in Jesus' day. But he was brought up in Nazareth, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and, he, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and all eyes uh, uh, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, it's like, oh, that's just a pretty little, you know, passage of Scripture, but I'm going to tell you something. That was profound. To those whose custom was to go to Nazareth, Sabbath after Sabbath, Jesus was a part of that custom. He was one of the good old boys. He was a carpenter. He was nothing nothing special, really. They didn't know. I mean, they heard stories of his birth, and it was like, well, but, you know, the years kind of toned that down, and he had good friends there, and, and, and it was just another Sabbath meeting. But little did they know in that room, they, they probably had meals planned, you know, they're going to go home, and I don't know what they do on the Sabbath. 
not work, but if they play games, whatever they do as families, they had, they had their afternoons planned just like everybody here. You, we follow our tradition and our custom week after week after week. But I'm here to tell you there is a day that God will break into our lives as he did into their lives. Jesus stood up on a day and there was a prophetic word that was 750 years old or more. They'd read it probably hundreds of times in that synagogue. And Jesus stands up, and what I want you to see and understand also is God does not do things like we do things. If Jesus is going to start a worldwide movement, and, and you're going to ask those around us, you know, uh, well, you know, get a team around, how would, what's the best way to launch this? You wouldn't do it from Nazareth. Nazareth was a backwoods town. In fact, when, when one of the, Nathaniel said, hey, with Jesus of Nazareth, the, the, the guy says, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Nazareth was nowhere. Nazareth was the backside of, Nazareth was a lot like Corinth. I mean, you know our reputation from time to time. But God chose. Jesus stands in Nazareth. Man, if you're going to do something, do it in the temple. Do it, do it, you know, do it in Jerusalem. Do it on the path. Do it where, you know, you can get the most crowd. I'm going to tell you what. Jesus is going to do some things in our day that's going to shock this world. And it's not going to come through the television. I don't believe for a moment it's going to come over uh, YouTube or whatever. I believe it's going to be in a remote area that God starts a fire. And, and you say, why? Because it's a prophetic reality. It's a truth that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. And I am just here to declare, say, you think you're all of that, that it might come through you or through us as an assembly? I'm going to live with the expectation that it could. Well, no, no, you, you, don't, you know, you don't, have the, you don't have the Internet following. You don't have the, you know, cooth. You have a cowlick that sticks up, people watching you. Yeah, I'd mother in it. I'm going to get some dapper Dan and put that down. But the idea of, of uh, uh, you know, well, no, it, it can't happen here. If we don't live with the expectation of God doing something in our day, in our midst, I believe it with all of my soul. What happens if it starts somewhere? I don't care where it starts. I just want to be a part of it. And, and you, you can come in here week after. This is my point, and I'm, this is not what I'm just uh, the pre-preaching. My point is we can come in here week after week and fall into a traditional rut and, and, and say it's just our custom, and I want God, I want to be ready for what God wants to do and just blow it up. He said... He reads this prophetic word and sits down, and they're all looking at him like, well, aren't you going to say something? Come on, Jesus, we've heard you. You can talk pretty good. And he has the audacity to say, today, 
the scriptures fulfilled. And you would think everybody would stand up and go, whoa! But they said, what? Who do you think you are? We know you. You're going to tell me that now after 700 and some odd years that this very day, the day that's just as similar as every other day, God chooses to break out? You know what? There's a day coming. There is a day coming, and I know your day is, you know, God's touched you individually, but I'm telling you, there is a day that the glory of God is going to be revealed like no other time in history. And, and we have to live with the expectation. You don't have to. I am living with the expectation that God could do it right here in the back town of Corinth, New York. In fact, not only can he, he wants to. And, and whether he does it simultaneously throughout our nation and throughout our world and just the glory of God begins as fires all over. But I'm telling you, this is one place that's going to be a fire starter. Okay, I'm done with that. I, I just... Man, we got to live with that. Don't, don't just come in here week after week and, oh, going through the same motions and force on. Oh, man, God's going to break out. And we have to let him. Okay? And if it is uncomfortable, can you imagine how uncomfortable it was for those guys in the synagogue? Like, dude, who do you, what, what's he doing? And they missed one of the greatest events that's ever happened because they weren't expecting it. Yeah, that's an old book, Isaiah. We've read it for years, you know. Huh? Jesus has said he's going to have revival for years. He said he's coming back. It's been going on for years. Yep. All the more that we ought to expect. Well, but it's just us. You know, there's nobody special here. It is nobody special that he's going to move through. How many nobody specials out there? Come on, he is going. I could say, thus saith the Lord if you want me to. But I'm telling you, he is going to go outside of what we think is the way. He's going to blow your mind, and he's going to use people that you think, she's too young. He, he, you know, he doesn't even have a Bible degree. Man, I'm telling you what, God is going to, okay, I'm done with that. I said that once, didn't I? All right, one more thing. Uh, live with that expectation, please, because then when it comes, you're not going to miss it. And uh, so here's, here's what happens. I, I think we, we um, over-glamorize uh, the early church. We love to have heroes. We love to have, you know, uh, overachievers. And when we look at and, and we look at the heroes of faith, sometimes we... we uh, uh, put dramatization to their life that's just not real. 
And, um, you know, we, we, we lift people up, and, and we do that typically in, in, in all of our relationships. We look at a marriage, you know, from the outside looking in and say, boy, they've got it better than anybody i ever known. They're not realizing that they're two people struggling just like anybody else. You know, that's why the Bible says it's unwise to compare yourselves among yourselves. You're looking at, you know, the way a, a couple parents say, wow, they got the best kids ever, until they realize that they're still fallen humanity that need a Savior. You know, and that nobody gets out of this place without some suffering. And there is nobody in the flesh that lives in perfection. There are those that would declare their own righteousness, and I'm going to tell you, they are liars. Because there is none righteous, no, not one. And the only hope that we have is the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God in all of our lives. Wouldn't it be great if we had, were able to say that at the first moment of repentance and say, well, we won't need that anymore because I'm going to live for God. How many of you said that? And then realizing day by day, and, 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 and sometimes hour by hour, it's the need of grace, and His grace is abundant. And His grace is poured out upon us. And my point for you this morning, living in that expectation of God doing something great, He's not going to do something, you know, just out, you know, in the atmosphere. He's going to do it through some of us. He's going to use us as vessels. And we've got to position ourselves to be used. You cannot say, I'm too young. And you can't say I'm too old. You can't say, well, my time is past. Or, man, I'm not, I'm not feeling good enough to do it. Because it's in weakness that God's strength is made perfect. Say, well, I don't have the best marriage. Well, if you wait for the best marriage, how long are you going to wait? Well, no, I, I, you know, I ended up divorced and now I, I, I'm unqualified. Who told you you're unqualified? My husband's not saved, and I don't, you know, I feel like I don't have, you know, the right. Who told you those things? I've messed up terribly, and I'm, and I'm you know, I, I'm just going to come back and sit and not do anything. Dude, there is none righteous, not one. Oh, you know, I don't deserve. Who deserves anything good from God? It's his desire. He loves us. That's why he pours it out. I'm not yelling. I'm just passionate. But the reality of it is, we've got to position ourselves. We've got to put ourselves in a, in a position ready to be used. I'm not talking that we make excuses for the flesh or that we just go out and sow to the flesh, but I'm here to tell you we live in the flesh. All right, so here, here's one scripture. It says, he said, at least I should be evolved, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, King James, New King James, and at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. How many want to be used? Come on, mightily. Hang on. Because it doesn't come without a price. 
right? Paul, one of the great guys, man, he was awesome. We lift him up as a hero of the faith. You know, he was like he, was like, he walked three feet off the ground and had a halo. Now, what we think? Reality is he was a murdering scoundrel filled with self-righteousness that God had to knock off his high horse until he came to repentance. And I believe in all, and I, I love the man. I can't wait to meet him. But don't lift humanity up as if, uh, you know, they're, in, they're different than we are. They were not. It was revelation. It was God's grace. Man, can you imagine, you know, uh, uh, Paul being, Saul being left to himself? Doesn't even say he was seeking God for whatever reason, God's divine purpose in that vessel. He knocked him down and said, now listen. Paul said, who am I listening to? Or Saul, he said, this is Jesus. Okay. He said, I'm confused, but I'm going to listen because he couldn't see. And sometimes, sometimes, man, God will just, he creates things so that we can be in a place to hear. So he says, uh, he said, at least I am exalted above measure for the abundance of revelation. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I be exalted above measure concerning this thing. I pleaded to the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So here's what I'm telling you. I don't believe for a moment that we give place to the devil. If you're here and you have an oppression or some come in here with a possession, we have the authority to speak to that spirit and to have it leave. It's not a big deal. Not like we, it's, you know, this isn't, um, and if you're watching the Holly or Halloween's uh, horror show, shame on you. Just me. There's spiritual wickedness in that. It's carnality. Ugh. So anyway, if you know, I'm going to pray a, 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 a deliverance over you. And, uh, but, but the idea, so I don't believe that, that we give place to the enemy, but however you want to interpret that, it doesn't matter to me. I think there was a thorn in his flesh, and, and it, it, it brought about an element of humility that is essential for us to be in a place for God to use us. But what happens is when we realize and, and we're in that place, humility can sometimes uh, uh, overflow into condemnation and feeling unworthy. If there's, a, if there's something that you're battling, and he says this, he says, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for for you my strength is made perfect in weakness. I do not like to be weak. I am here to tell you I don't like it. The older I get, I'm talking physically. Uh, you know, there's things that I want to do that I don't do. Okay? <laughs> Old man. 
You'll get there. Watch. And just remember that you laughed at me. No, I, I, I just, you know, I always could do. I could always, you know, I had great balance. You know, I could, uh, I wouldn't mind standing on the top of a 10-foot step ladder. Not right to do, but I didn't mind doing it. It's like, eh, ocean's not looking, do it. Today, I don't like standing on a four-foot step ladder on the second rung. No, I just, the idea is you grow weaker in, in your body, but also there are, there are elements of our flesh that we are going to always battle. So he says here, therefore most uh, gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure, that guy is nuts. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of this world. We elevate strength. We elevate greatness. We elevate perfection. We elevate superstars, whether uh, uh, um, musically or physically on a ball field. We're con- we elevate one another when you excel and you have a degree. And we look at them and say, wow, aren't they better than? Well, at the end of the day, when you stand before God, there will be no degrees. You weren't able to, I don't believe it. Maybe you can eat some brain food, but I, you did not pick your IQ. Just like you didn't pick the color of your skin, you didn't pick your height. Why is that funny? I chose this height. <laughs> the idea of you glorying, or one, especially in the body of Christ, Lifting up one over another or looking at somebody, well, they're not of much value. They're all the more valuable. And Paul says, I will glory. I will glory in uh, infirmities, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm here to tell you we're thinking wrong when you're thinking God's going to move when we're at our strongest point. That's not the way it goes. He's going to move in our lives when we're at our weakest points. If we are in a place of faith to allow Him to, to move. What happens in our weakness when we get uh, uh, weak in, in, in our body, in our, in our spirit, when, when our flesh seems to rise up, we retract and pull back from Him when all the more we need to lean into Him. You're sitting here today thinking you don't deserve. If you wait for the day that you do deserve, you'll never get there. You lean into Him in your brokenness. You lean into Him in your weakness. You worship not when you're doing good that week, but you worship in the good days and the bad. 
You lift Him up constantly. Why? Because I'm living with that expectation that the glory of God could be revealed in any moment in my life, in any time in this church, and it could come through the most unlikely vessels in our mind. But yet, if you live with that expectation, my God, the things He could do. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. This ought to be on somebody's refrigerator. I mean, this is a, this scripture is framed, it's all over the place. Sometimes I avoid those because they're so common, but man, oh man, this is something that ought to be in your life. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. Man, I've been doing this a long time. I still have my own understanding. Well, we got the mind of Christ. Yeah, I, I visit that once in a while. But every man, oh man, I wake up with my own understanding. I go through the day and I battle my own understanding. My own understanding brings me low. But man, if I get to the place where I trust him, I don't understand. Believe me, look, you you think, you know, God's going to do, unleash a revival in the last days. He's not going to start here. Why? Because that's the way we understand things. Believe me, I don't have a savior mentality like we're going to win the world. I just know that God wants to do something. And I know he wants to use some unlikely subjects. And so he said, lean not to your own understanding. He said, he, uh, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. So let me tell you this. Don't, don't think that if you're not to be wise in your own eyes, quit putting that on other people too. And I understand honoring those that minister in the Word and all that stuff, but but we're looking for superstars that do not exist. I'm, I am convinced in the breaking down of the past uh, probably two decades of Christianity in America where we lifted up different ministries, and they were exalted, and man, everybody, you know, they had the greatest of the greatest. They had superstar worship teams and all that stuff. It was counterproductive to revival in America because what it did was it made the body of Christ look and say, well, we're not them, but we can't minister. And so, you know, we look at different ones, and, I, and God love them. Man, read their books, do whatever you got to do, but, but you do not need a Ph.D. for God to move through you. It's a good thing. So it says here, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't go letting any flesh glory in your mind above and again, I understand, thank God for Paul. I don't mean to belittle him. Thank God for his ministry. 
thank God for his giving. You can thank God for different ones that you are, are, are obviously, you know, walking in that humility and, and, and living a life called by God. You can thank God for them. But give glory to God. Why? Because whatever you set up as an idol, he has to tear down. Whatever it is. Wow. I was afraid I had nothing to say today. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Don't be wise. Fear the Lord. Come on, do your the part. If you're if there's a habitual continual sin, let give it to God. Depart from that. It'll it hurts you. Said it'll be it'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase, so that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. How does giving produce abundance? God's ways are not your ways. Try it. So, uh, let me see which one I want to end with here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 says it like this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Being strong in the Lord and the power is might, all of a sudden we see Captain America. I don't, my shield's not here, but that's all right. You know, we see this buff guy, this, you know, this uh, warrior woman. Just ready to go kick some devil's butt. When the reality of it is. If his strength is made perfect in weakness, it doesn't look anything like that. Being strong in the Lord and the power of his might is, is, is being in fellowship and, and, and feeling the, the pressure and distress, feeling, you know, the battle of your flesh going on, feeling the, the hot pursuit of temptation, and yet positioning yourself. In a place where you glorify God, when you still speak a word of faith, when you're still in a place of prayer, and I'm going to tell you, it's those moments done in faith where the, you're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The power of His might. Yes, it's the power of the Spirit in our lives, but it's the power of His grace. It's the power of His blood. It's the gifting the gifts of God that are in our lives that we take no credit for, but by faith we operate them in the good days and in the bad. And it goes on to say, and I love those kids up here last Sunday. It says, put on the whole armor of God. We are not defenseless. You're, you're here today and you're, you're struggling and struggling. Read, I don't have time this morning, about the whole armor of God and try with all you're doing to, to be clothed with that. 
God doesn't just send us out there. Say, here, get beat up. He gives us and positions us for victory. And if you're in a battle, you see, it still doesn't feel that good getting whacked with a sword. But if you got the breastplate of righteousness on you, it kind of lessens the blow. It may knock you off your feet, but you're going to get back up. The helmet of salvation, having that surety, there's all kinds. Think about it, folks. You are not. You're like, oh, man, I just, I don't know if I can do this. Well, get dressed. You're walking out there buck naked. It's not working. Put the armor on. Get, get it so that you can stand in, in, in the day that we're, especially today. So it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Don't you think for a moment he's just attacking Israel. This is a worldwide attack. Why? Because he knows his time is short. Don't think it's going to be any easier as we see that day approaching. That's why we're in fellowship with one another. That's why you need to be sober-minded about the day we live. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. God does not expect me to engage in that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not big enough. I, I, I don't have it. Listen, if you name the name of Christ, you're engaged. Whether you want to sit on the sideline and hide your head in the sand, you can do that. Not going to be well for you in the days to come. I'm telling you, it is time for us having, uh, uh, having done all Stand. Come on. Ooh, but I got a, I got hit. Yeah. Adjust your armor. Get it right. So the next time you're hitting the same spot, it's less of a blow. Right? Figure it out. You can do this. But sitting on the sidelines in the day that we live is just not an option. It's just not. Stand with me. One more. I, I, I just, I know I get all whatever I get. Uh, but this word is meant to encourage you. It's meant to say that you're no different. The battles that you fight, we all fight. There's not one battle, oh, I, you, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, I guarantee you I could point you to six or seven people in this room that have suffered and hurt. Well, well God doesn't know what, I, what I'm going through. You know what? He was tempted in every way. Why? So he could secure us. He could, he could understand us. So, he, so that we're, what you're dealing with right now, and you say, God, could you help me? He said, yeah, I'd do that. 
Lord, would you forgive me? He said, of course, I'll forgive you. So, Father, today as we pray, if there's someone in this room that's too, been too ashamed to ask you to forgive, God, give them strength right now to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I, I, my life before you, Jesus, you see the weakness. You see the flesh that I battle. And I'm asking you to forgive me today. That you would forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lord, and that, that uh, truly, I, I don't, God, don't lead me into temptation. I can find enough on my own. But deliver us from evil. The world around us, God, the, the spiritual wickedness around us, we are particularly and peculiarly yours. Deliver us from evil. That we might stand in the place that you've called us to stand. Come on, did you if you prayed that prayer, just lift your hand real quick. How many of you know he's faithful and just to forgive us? You know what that means? You walk out of this room having prayed that prayer justified. Just as if you'd never sinned. Why? Because his blood is that powerful. You're, you have a memory of it. But I'm telling you what. There's freedom. God, there's freedom. So I'm going to read this scripture. It says, Seek the Lord well. He may be found. Call upon him well. He's near. Let the, first, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. For our God, he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways or your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Man, oh man, I know one day I will see him as he is. I will no longer have a flesh to contend with. But right now I will speak with Paul and agree with him in Romans chapter 7. Who is able to deliver me? He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. He is a deliverer. Anytime the flesh gets the best of you, you need to stand and say, God, I'm yours. So we're going to sing again. I want us to pray. I want us to pray together. I, I want us to pray just, just strength. If, if you're all right, pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. Well, come on around. And, and if you need healing, we're going to anoint you with oil. If you need deliverance, there is no shame in that. Just come and let God do what he wants to do this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.